Hello on this two Thursday afternoon, not Tuesday, Thursday afternoon. Glad to have you joining in. This is Bill Allen, and we are doing a Facebook Live study. Uh, if you're watching live, it's 3 p.m. Central Time. If you're not watching us live, then that's okay. Uh, glad to have you along, and you can see this after the fact on my Facebook page on our West Irwin Live and West Irwin Church of Christ Facebook pages, and also on our website at westirwin.com, Irwin with an E, R-W-I-N, westirwin.com. You scroll over to the Connect tab and scroll down to the live streaming right there, and then you can scroll down a little bit and you can see our live services in that big blue box when it's time on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. And when you're not watching live, you can scroll down to that place where it says video archive and you can look at previous lessons and worship services and even these Facebook lessons. So glad to have you joining in today. We are looking at Psalm 59. And if you've ever felt like you were being attacked, Psalm 59 is a great one for you. In fact, many of the Psalms, as we have been finding out, are that way. But this one certainly is. Uh, on Thursdays, we're looking at a book called The Songs of Jesus. It's a daily devotional guidebook, and it's from Timothy Keller and his wife, Kathy. And it's a great daily Bible study tool, and it has us reading through all of the Psalms on uh, in 2023. And so that's a great thing. And today we find ourselves in Psalm 59, and it's one of those Psalms where uh, David is uh, very much aware of those who are trying to make him suffer. And uh, he describes them, he asks God for deliverance, and he asks God to vindicate him before his enemies, and he also acknowledges that he knows that God will do that. So it's a great psalm for us to cover, and it's a one for you to perhaps bookmark when you're having one of those really bad days or bad weeks or bad seasons, and uh, you feel like there are people that are attacking you from all sides, it'll give you a good sense of God's presence even in the midst of that. <clears throat> and so here we go, Psalm 59. Deliver me from my enemies, O God. Be my fortress against those who are attacking me. Deliver me from evildoers and save me from those who are after my blood. Pretty graphic. See how they lie and wait for me. Fierce men conspire against me for no offense or sin of mine, Lord. David says, I didn't do anything to deserve this. Verse 4, I have done no wrong, yet they are ready to attack me. Arise to help me, look on my plight. You, Lord God Almighty, you who are the God of Israel, rouse yourself to punish all the nations. Show no mercy to wicked traitors. One of the great things about the Psalms is that the psalmists express exactly how they feel. And that's how the psalmist felt, very likely in this case, David. And as he calls on God to deliver him, he also calls on God to punish those who are putting him through such a difficult time. And he describes them as snarling at him. I love that. In verse 6 of Psalm 59, they return at evening snarling like dogs and prowl about the city. See what they spew from their mouths. The words from their lips are sharp as swords. And they think, who can hear us? One of the things that we find repeatedly in the Psalms is when they are complaining to God or asking God for deliverance, and they're describing their enemies, they're describing those who are involved in immorality or idolatry, worshiping something other than God. 
even though the prophets or the faithful will tell them that that's not right and that uh, you will face judgment from God unless you repent, they say, hey, who can hear us? Who is God? Nobody's watching. Nobody's going to do anything because God is patient. Second Peter 3 describes that patience as being God's desire for everyone to have just a little more time to repent. But in Second Peter 3, it says, but the day of the Lord will come. There will be a time when God's patience runs out and there's no more time for repentance. So David cries out and, and he talks about the, these snarling dogs that are, as he describes them, and he says their words and their lips are, li are sharp as swords. And the Kellers talk about today's media and how in the days of social media, especially and email and all of that, it makes it very easy to be able to let your words get away from you because like those that were criticizing uh, and, and threatening David in Psalm 59, they, you know, they, they write that down and they ship it out into the internet and they say, who can hear us? Many of them don't even have their real um, uh, identity in their, uh, in, their, in their social media. It's just something that no one knows and they think no one sees and no one hears, but God does. Unlike in face-to-face -face confrontation, we blurt things out without fear of seeing the hurt or anger in the other person's face. There's a sense of anonymity that we don't, no one will ever know and we don't have to face accountability and responsibility. <clears throat> the problem with that is, um, is the Gospel of Matthew. <laughs> Whereas David talks about the speech of others, his enemies, in these ways, Jesus confronts his followers, and we as his disciples are called upon to examine our speech. And there's an amazing passage in Matthew chapter 12 that describes to us exactly why the words that we say are important and why they matter. Jesus says this in Matthew 12, Make a tree good and its fruit will be good, or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. A part of our fruit is the words that comes out of our mouth. You brood of vipers, you bunch of snakes, Jesus says, much like David describes them, snarling like dogs. Jesus says, you brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The more tr uh, familiar translation says, and uh, I think that's the scariest thing to me about the language that we use. It's a window to our hearts. It's one of those things that tells us what's in our heart. Jesus goes on to say a good person brings good things out of the good stored up in them, and an evil person brings evil out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. That is a scary thought. It's scary that God remembers every word we've ever said. And it's scary that that is a judgment of our heart. We understand that God will judge us based on our hearts, but how do you know what's in your heart? Well, one of the ways you know is what comes out of your mouth. How do you speak about people? How do you speak to people? What shows up in your Twitter messages or your email or your Facebook page? Those are the things that reflect what's in our hearts. And those are also the things that differentiate Christians 
from other people. We don't give in to those temptations. And so we seek God's forgiveness when we do that. And, and we remind God to listen to those who are speaking so vindictively, who are snarling at us like dogs. How do we respond? Obviously, we don't respond in kind because our hearts aren't that way. Or are they? Psalm 59 goes on in verse 8. <clears throat> but you laugh at them, Lord. You scoff at all those nations. All the ones that are threatening the king, all the ones that are threatening God's people, God laughs at them. He scoffs at them. You are my strength. I watch for you. You, God, are my fortress. David and other righteous kings did not trust in their military power. They didn't trust in their weapons. They didn't trust in their armies. They trusted in God, and so should we. Verse 10, my God on whom I can rely is my fortress. God will go before me and will let me gloat over those who slander me. Again, vindication. But do not kill them, Lord, our shield, or my people will forget. In your might, uproot them and bring them down. It's interesting that David would say that, and it's very similar to why God allowed certain peoples to remain in the promised land after Joshua had gone through on a very successful military campaign to uh, take all of their enemies out. But they did not get all of them. And God says that it they will be a reminder to the people uh, to be faithful and to trust in the Lord and to obey his word and, and to follow that word and that will. Verse 12, for the sins of their mouths, for the words of their lips, let them be caught in their pride. For the curses and lies they utter, consume them in your wrath. Consume them till they are no more. Then it will be known to the ends of the earth that God rules over Jacob. So a couple things, again, very honestly asking for not just deliverance, but vindication. Help our enemies, help everyone to see who's right here. But also the purpose. Then it will be known to the ends of the earth that God rules over Jacob. Not just that David would be victorious or whoever the king is would be victorious, but that people everywhere would know that the Lord God is the one true and living God. He is the Lord and God over Jacob, over Israel. Um, in the days of Moses and Pharaoh, that was one of the things that you keep hearing about all those plagues. Why would God do that? Well, Moses continually says so that everyone will know, the Egyptians and everyone, that will hear about these stories will know that the Lord is God, that the God of Israel, the God of Moses is the one true and living God. Uh, we are intimidated by the world, but God is not. He laughs and scoffs at all those forces that oppose him. And I think that's true. They can't hold a candle to the power of God. He's not intimidated. He's not surprised by them. He's not scared. He's not afraid. Um, he considers how he can use their response uh, to accomplish his will and to help his people and what he can do to perhaps bring them to a better place in their own hearts. While God is not impressed by sinful rebellion, he is not indifferent to it. And I think that's a great point. I think it's a point that we need to have too. We're not afraid. We're not impressed. We're not even surprised. Jesus said in John 16, verse 33, in the world, you'll have trouble. It's a verse that I go back to a lot these days. And so we understand that uh, Satan has rulership over this world. God has given him some leeway. Nothing he does is outside of the limitations of God. 
He's still subject to God and to his power, but he has a lot of room and he does his work really, really well. And so the evil that's there, God is not surprised by it. He's not impressed by it. Uh, we're not either. But at the same time, God is not indifferent about it. He does care, and so should we. Uh, God is uh, telling us that he wants us to care about our world just like he does. Remember John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And it's in the cross of Christ that we see how seriously God takes sin, that we see how serious he is about uh, the justice that is demanded by the sinfulness of the world, including us, but also the great love and mercy that God has to find a way. My favorite verse these days has been 2 Corinthians 5, Verse 21 sounds very much like John 3:16. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him, Christ, uh, we might become the righteousness of God. Uh, such a great and powerful, powerful passage. Uh, like God, we must neither be overawed by wrongdoers nor harden our hearts toward them. Again, not afraid, not intimidated, but also um, we do care. We do care. When we consider those who reject God and even threaten us, just like David was being threatened, we must neither disdain them nor fear them, nor be surprised <laughs> that the world is evil. The world will always be the world. And boy, we see that now as much as any time in my lifetime. But it's no surprise to God, and it shouldn't be a surprise to us. And so how do we respond? How? What should we do? Well, we should never stop caring but the first thing we do is live out the word and will of God right before them. That whole book of 1 Peter tells us to do that. And it tells us that by a life lived out faithfully in the midst of a world that doesn't care about God or the Bible, that we can have a witness. That there will be people that will ask us, hey, how come you live with such hope? How come you live with such joy? And you're treated worse than I am. And that's when 1 Peter 3.15 says we should be ready to give an answer for those who ask why we live with hope uh, and do it with gentleness, do it with respect. And so it's that great verse in Ephesians 4, verse 15, speaking the truth in love. That's, that's how we respond. And that's how God responded, by sending his son. And Jesus came speaking the truth, just like he did in that passage in Matthew 12, warning us and telling us, hey, watch what you say. Your words are an indication of what's in your heart. That's a part of the fruit that you have, and that's, that's how you know what kind of tree it is. We need to be careful about those things as well and always be ready uh, to respond. Um, it's not that we don't care. We do. But it's also not that we're surprised. We're not when the world is the world and acts like it. But what we do is we try to live out faithfully right in the big fat middle of the world. And then when we have the opportunity to use our words to follow up with that, to help people hear the message of Jesus Christ. Finally, in verses 14 through 17, David ends this great psalm of Psalm 59. <clears throat> His enemies return at evening, he says, snarling like dogs again <laughs> and prowl about the city. They wander about for food and howl if not satisfied. Boy, what an image. 
But I will sing of your strength in the morning. I will sing of your love. For you, God, are my fortress, my refuge in times of trouble. You are my strength. I sing praise to you. You, God, are my fortress, my God on whom I can rely. The, the contrast couldn't be greater. <laughs> the world goes around snarling like dogs. And David says, the faithful sing God's praises out of joy. I sing praise to you. You, God, are my, my fortress, my God on whom I can rely. I will sing of your strength. In the morning, I will sing of your love. For you are my fortress, my refuge in times of troubles. When others snarl, we sing. And it's not because we've been delivered. Sometimes that hasn't happened yet. It's not because we've been vindicated. That may never happen. But what we do know is God is our refuge. And, and it's in him that we place our trust and that we put our faith. You are my fortress, my refuge in times of trouble. I will sing of your strength. In the morning, I will sing of your love. I sing praise to you. You, God, are my fortress, my God on whom I can rely. You can rely on God too. You may not see his deliverance just yet. You may never see it. You may never feel vindicated against your enemies. They may still go along by saying, as the psalmist said, uh, who can hear us? But God knows, and God hears, and God sees. And he sees your heart, and he knows your faithfulness. And one day he will deliver you in this life or the next. One day you will have that vindication that you seek, just like David sought. And so today, whether that vindication has come or not, today, in the midst of those who are snarling like dogs, Today, we sing for joy. Let's pray. God, you are our rock and our foundation. You are our refuge. You are our strength. And so, Father, we sing with joy and hope and praise to you because you, God, are our refuge. You are our deliverer. One day, Lord, we know that you will make all things right. And in the meantime, Father, we know that you will see us through even though there are those around us who are snarling like dogs. Help us, Father, with our lives, with our words, with our songs, to be a witness that you, God, are our refuge. You, God, are our strength. You, God, are our fortress. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great weekend. I look forward to seeing you online on Sunday or in our church at West Irwin Church of Christ on Sunday or perhaps in our Facebook lessons next Tuesday and Thursday. May God bless you.